Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Luis. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network. I am I am absolutely spending too much time in Elden Ring right now. Oh my god. Lauren, that's what I thought we should talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I definitely am too. I have according to my records here, I am now eighty two point nine hours in terms of having my game going. I'm embarrassed so. to admit that I'm in that I'm at sixty range, which as a grad student is is like Is it embarrassing uh, because it's too much for, of your actual oh, yeah. free time? <laughs> Way too much of my time. I, I thought you were embarrassed because like, oh my my number seems so low compared no, to like, eighty two. <laughs> I was think I was thinking about it yesterday. If I spent a fraction of the time that I spend on Elden Ring as it as I do do on my on my actual research, I'd already mm-hmm. have a second doctorate. You know, like I'd already be done. Uh, yeah, it, it's so good though. It's it is so good. Yeah. Do you have any any history with the like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, any of those? Yeah, and my history with I started with Demon Souls. Me too. Yeah, and then I don't know. I I I started to fall in love with the series mm-hmm. until I don't know. I got to Dark Souls two. And I beat the tar out of that game. I got to New Game Plus like seven times. And I just got tired of it. I was just like, you know, it's the same game over and over again. Sure. I tried Bloodborne and it was just like, my heart just wasn't in it. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm just not feeling it. And I, I almost avoided Elden Ring because of that. Because of all the Soulsborns, I was kind of just tired of them. Yeah. Uh, I also started with Demon Souls. I had seen somewhere online, like, oh, yeah, this demon souls game is pretty cool and i literally that was all i saw i was like people are liking this game i don't know what it's about i'm just gonna go buy it and then i started up and it kicks my butt and i'm like well this is pretty cool though <laughs> and i was living in a an apartment with a couple friends at the time and one of them had a ps3 and another one ended up, I think, buying a PS3 because he watched me play Demon's Souls. He's like, I want to play this too. And I don't want to have to like wait for you to be done. So I was in an apartment with three TVs going with Demon Souls for like three days straight. I had a friend Jeez. who was over that day when we like that really started happening. And we got a snowstorm and he got snowed in. And he just went went about just about went crazy seeing demon souls on all day and not being able to do anything (laughs) well yeah demon souls is great uh dark souls is great i didn't really get into dark souls 2 but then bloodborne came out and i was excited for that and because the play style is so different it's more off offensive oriented there's lots of you know hey keep fighting keep keep in the fray i really enjoyed that and played the heck out of that and i didn't play sekiro or dark souls 3 i was really like I don't know if I'm going to play Elden Ring, but a friend of mine was doing it, and I watched him play for a bit. I was like, okay, I want to try this out. And it's just, it's so good. 
I think what sold me is I saw I saw one of the builds where all they do is they take the Death Star laser and they kill things with the Death Star laser. And yeah. I said th- I said that build makes this game look fun. Even if I don't do that, <laughs> that build looks so cool that you you can kind of do that with the magic in this game. I was like I'm going to I'm going to play this game. I'm not going to do my normal thing where I'm a knight and I run around and be a knight. I'm going to play this. I'm going to be a magic build. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, sixty hours in, I've respect. I'm I'm just a regular knight running around doing my knight thing, <laughs> but it's still but it's still fun. You're still enjoying it, like the the thing about this game. I think that makes it so enjoyable. So I I got the Demon Souls remake for my PS5, and I was enjoying it. But there was a point where like I couldn't beat a current boss or whatever, and it was very much bashing my head into the wall, and. I, you know, that's what I had to do. That's the next thing in the game. But Elden Ring, you can suddenly just be like, oh, I can't beat this. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go do something else and come back later. And that's just so liberating. It makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, my problem is I feel like I'm at a bottleneck right now, though, where I, I, I'm close to a point where it's like, well, I just have to beat my head against the wall on this. Because hmm. I'm just now entering... Well, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't do spoilers. I'm just now entering a part of the game where everything is really hard. It's and the sky red and scary. No, 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 not the sky. The sky's not red and scary. Okay. But the sky is white and the ground is white and everything's white. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, and it, it's 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 go here and do stuff here, but like all of the enemies are like mini bosses, which tells me like, well, I'm just not ready for this yet. But I've already mm. finished like everything behind it, so I can just go grind now. I can go farm now. I don't want to go farm. Who wants yeah. to go farm? No, that's fair. You'd always summon friends. Uh, that's the thing I started doing is joining my friends when they can't beat bosses. Uh, so, who knows? I might be in an area where I can come help you, and I'll use my dual great swords to come by. Is it crossplay? It is. Oh, are you on your uh, PlayStation? Yeah, I'm on the PS5. Uh, no, it's not crossplay. Well, I can summon, I can summon my husband. He, he's already beat go. all that, and he like some kind of weirdo likes farming. So he'll go and he'll watch the boulder fall off the cliff like a hundred times, so that he's whatever level he wants to be before he hits the next next part. So he's like doing all the all the things like thirty levels higher than when I'm doing it. Hmm. So yeah. I'm slogging it, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm getting there. My plucky little knight gets there. There is a a faster way to farm than than the boulders, but you know if you don't want to farm, you don't want to farm. Yeah, no, it's a good good time. Uh, you you said you you switched to a knight. You just are you fighting with uh, sword and board, or what are you doing with that? So I, I'm an arcane build knight. Mm-hmm. So, and my arcane is like fifty five for me, wow. which which as you know, arcane is like the worst of the stats. Right. It Until doesn't... recently. Oh, really? There it, was it... a patch recently that, like, there was a lot of weapons that Arcane stat didn't work for, but now it finally does. Oh, good. Well, I'll, I'll just do it because all I want is I just want the item find chance. Like, mm-hmm. if a monster can drop its gear, I want its gear. I play this yeah. game to collect all the stuff. and So, yeah, I'm just kind of using using a sword and board with my Arcane build knight and just making it work. Mm-hmm. I 
wanted the biggest sword I could find. And wouldn't you know it, there's like eight really, really big swords in the game. They're huge. They're huge. Uh, so I just pump my strength up really high, and I have a big sword in each hand. So I'm very happy with that. I don't need to block. I'll just swing twice. I love that you can do that. that you can just swing twice with the two swords. Does that work pretty well? Yes. Uh, you know, I only need two hits to, to kill an enemy as opposed to my friends who are like you know more dexterous and have to hit them 15 times like no just jump in do a big double strike and then do a, do another double strike and they're either knocked down and i can do a crit or they're dead so it's a good time <laughs> Jeez, i'm about to i might respec soon because there's this rapier that does scarlet rot damage and mm. that seems really interesting i just found a dagger that did that and let me tell you, getting to it was a nightmare and a half. I need, I might need it, especially... My problem is this rapier one doesn't scale with arcane. If that dagger scales with arcane, then, then I need it. It might. It might. Yeah, but I'm... I feel like I'm only a third of the way through considering how much I've done. The map just gets bigger and bigger every single time that I find <laughs> a new map. It's like, how big is this game? And then there's an underground... It's amazing. I love it. Well, and I think what makes what makes Elden Ring work is because there's the map is so big and mm -hmm. the play styles are so diverse that there's really something for everyone in there. You can be broken regardless of how you want to play the game, which is pretty fun. Yeah, and I think that kind of leads us leads us into a bit of our topic, right? <laughs> About how RP, or how you know, in your sci-fi settings, they're so vast that. You know, everybody's yeah. really looking for a specific thing out of their sci-fi setting. Very specific thing. And I think that fact, right? I think sci-fi is so many different things to so many different people compared to what fantasy is. Like, obviously, fantasy is not just one thing to everyone. Not everyone's like, oh, it's Lord of the Rings. A lot of people are like, oh, it's Game of Thrones. It's Zelda. You know, it, it's a, a number of things. But I think that spectrum is far narrower compared to what sci-fi is to a lot of people. Um, and as a result, I feel like sci-fi-based RPGs just don't do well. I think that seems to be the inherent uh, you know, fact uh, of the RPG industry is that if you're doing a sci-fi RPG, you're probably not going to do as well as a fantasy RPG. Do you think the market's saturated with them? I don't think it's... If anything, I think it's more saturated with fantasy RPGs, right? Like, D&D has been around pushing 50 years now, right? I, I, you think people would get tired of fantasy at this point. Well, off the and, top of my head, I can name, you know, like, two fantasy RPGs. Maybe three. Is GURP still a thing? GURP is still a thing, but GURP covers both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I can't name that many fantasy RPGs, but I could name, like, a bunch of sci-fi ones. I think there's a bunch of sci-fi ones because everyone who plays a sci-fi RPG is like, ah, yeah, this would be cool, but I think it should really have X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, I think most people can kind of tweak D&D, &D, Pathfinder, Fantasy Age. I'm trying to see if I can come up with one more. I know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I could only come up with three, but I think you can tweak those three or GURPS into most fantasy that you want. Oh, of, of course, the, the Lord of the Rings role-playing game. Uh, transform that into whatever fantasy you really want with relative ease. I don't think you can turn... Warhammer, or you, you can't turn um, 
uh, traveler into Star Wars with a couple tweaks, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not as easy. And and I think because of that, everyone wants a specific thing, and as a result, you need to have a different game. You you can't use the Star Wars RPG to replicate Star Trek, right? That they're, I see they're what you mean. Two different yeah. flavors. You can't tell a st- uh, like like a Star Wars story in in any of the sci-fi settings like really easily unless it's a Star Wars game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the same like like it, it's no secret that you know my favorite kind of sci-fi these days is is Warhammer 40k sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of tough to tell Warhammer stories in anything, you know. There there's just a lot of inherent stuff. Like Starfinder, which is, you know, the whole reason we're here talking this day. I think tries to cover a lot, right? You can do uh, a darker, you know, grittier f- story in Starfinder pretty easily. Will it be 40k gritty? Probably not quite. You might be within spitting distance at best. But you can also do your your sci fantasy to to get you to kind of close to Star Wars. You can get kind of close to Star Trek. So you can kind of yeah. I think that's kind of close of to a system. lot of stuff. Yeah, which is great. But anyone who wants to be a Jedi and use the Force either has to be like, oh, I guess magic is the force or, uh, you know, the, the Solarian is the closest thing to a Jedi and just kind of like squint and hope that it, <laughs> it works for them or be like, actually, let's just go play the Star Wars RPG. Just, just like if I wanted to play a space Marine or a sister of battle in mm-hmm. Starfinder, I can get a facsimile. I can get something close, but it's, it's just not going to scratch the itch, you know? It yeah. might it might poke the itch, but it won't scratch it. Yes, it, it'll that that itch will just come right back. Mm-hmm. Is what will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is what we're doing right now. Is is my home game? We're playing the Wrath and Glory, the 4DK RPG, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really scratching pretty good at that itch. It's pretty good. And, and what's interesting is that even within RPGs that are like specific licenses or specific settings. Right, they, there sometimes seems to be different ways to play games and, and tell stories in that. Because if I recall, Rogue Trader is technically a 40k universe. Uh, is Rogue Trader still around? I don't know if it's still around, but it was definitely an RPG, right? Like that was like where 40k came from. Yeah, Rogue Trader. So, yeah, but like Rogue Trader is different than 40k. I think you you would play different stories it's... with Rogue Trader. There are still rogue traders in sure. 40k, but like rogue trader itself, you know, was just like the precursor. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess a, a more apt example is I have, I have the, the Star Wars RPG, which is the third iteration of a Star Wars RPG because there was the original one back in the day. It's D6 base, and then there's a D20 base that Wizards had. And now the one that I play is Fantasy Flight. And they have three distinct flavors. They have Edge of the Empire, which is the scoundrels and, and bounty hunters, so like Han Solo and Boba Fett. And there's one for Rebels that's all Rebel-themed, and there's one that's all Force-themed. And that's three distinct flavors, even just within the Star Wars universe. They're all things that exist all at once, but if you're like, I only want to be scoundrel and I don't want to deal with the Force, then you play Edge of the Empire, or you, you grab some of the, the stuff here and there to mix and match, which is pretty interesting that I think sci-fi can have such varied themes that some people decide it needs an entire game for just a specific theme or genre. That's kind of the 
maybe problem with 40k Mm -hmm. i think is that the system's been around so long every aspect every faction of it is so well fleshed out that it's each faction is its own thing with its own concept that needs its own rpg yeah you could i could definitely see just like an orcs rpg Mm -hmm. which would be probably really hectic and fun and not at all like super serious space marine stuff yeah, but like the space marines too. Like if you have a game where everyone's space marines, that sounds like a good RPG. Like mm-hmm. you can just do that with any of the things, and and it's almost. I remember back back when I used to play in the World of Darkness setting. You could yeah. take each of the different World of Darkness books and you could kind of blend them together. So one person yeah. would be playing a vampire, and somebody would be playing a werewolf. That's kind of what 40K feels like. Like you're taking all of these different things that don't necessarily go together and just kind of making them go together. Yeah, actually, World of Darkness is probably the best example of that is, hey, they're all the same universe. They're all, at least with the more modern games, they all use the same rule set, but vampires are completely distinct from mages and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. It, it almost sounds like, since I haven't played the, the 40K RPGs, it almost sounds like, what you're saying is someone took World of Darkness, you know, vampires and werewolves and mages and mummies and guys and all of them, and just squeezed them all into the same, like, core rulebook and yeah. tries to tries to have all ten flavors at once. That's exactly what it does. So I'm playing an Imperial Guardsman of, of his magnificent Astro Militarum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have somebody playing Admech, so they're replacing their all their whole body with machines. Someone else is just playing scum and villainy. They're they're a ganger from the Underhive, and our last player is a sanctioned psyker, so they're using state issued magic. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know what it is about sci-fi that it feels like each distinct theme should be its own thing. Whereas, like, if you think about an adventuring party, you are a monk who's a lot of times pulling from. Uh, eastern asian you know martial Mm -hmm. arts traditions and right next to a knight who's just your knight in shining armor king arthur stuff who's alongside a cleric which is sometimes you know cleric or or, or a paladin you know very crusades kind of inspired uh you know the good parts of the crusades not the the, the iffy parts what are the good Uh, parts of the crusades the the people looking cool in armor oh okay (laughs) (laughs) right And, and and being valiant warriors for their cause um and you know next to merlin right the the wizard yeah those are all different themes but no one seems to like bat and i you know and then you include conan the barbarian oh of course a a swashbuckling rogue or or whatever a pirate yeah those are all different types of adventure and and fantasy and no one seems to bat an eye at that it's like oh yeah we're just all used to these disparate ideas coming together and and being uh, an adventuring party is it about pop culture because when you look at pop culture we actually don't have that many fantasy examples mm-hmm. at least not compared to sci-fi like every time you turn around there's a new sci-fi show coming on right yeah um that could be i mean the 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 er example for for fantasy is lord of the rings and what happens in that very first book a fellowship of disparate uh warriors and and, and adventurers comes together to further a specific cause you have a wizard you have the ranger you have the the dwarf fighter and they're all different types of people from different cultures and it all come together to work together so maybe like 
that idea was already seeded in fantasy from the get-go and then D&D comes around and is like yeah that's just like the fellowship no big deal but there wasn't like one fantasy thing or one sci-fi thing that was always around that was ah uh, yes all the sci-fis work together all the different planets or all the different you know corporations or you know different groups or cultures come together like that and there wasn't a one notable sci-fi RPG that's existed for 50 years that everyone's played either to kind of ingrain that in people's minds. When you think about like, I, I, I like what you're getting at with Lord of the Rings because that kind of is, you know, like the precursor of like yeah. our, fa- of like our fantasy genres. But when you think about the precursors of the sci-fi genres, like the very first one was like what? Mary Shelley's Frank, Mary Frankenstein. Mary yeah, Shelley's it was Frankenstein, yeah. But then you had like you know more contemporary examples like uh, Flash Gordon. But mm-hmm. I think that the I think that the big one, the big one, it has to be the original Star Trek. But sure. in in each of these is its own kind of concept. Each of these doesn't really mix with other sci-fi mm-hmm. concepts. Those like Flash Gordon was that high fantasy, you know, sci-fi. All of all of the crew in the Enterprise was the same group. They weren't a disparate bunch of rogues. Yeah, they they had. We we saw them post having united, and you know figured out all their problems, all their problems and ironed things out. I mean, the Federation is now a thing, right? And has been a thing for a long time. By the time we literally start Star Trek, so we don't get to see that unification. And, I think the closest stuff. that we get to seeing something more like what fantasy does is the terrible movie, decent book, Ready Player One. Did sure. You... <laughs> yeah, I saw the movie. I, I, I saw the movie and I read the book like back while I was still in the military, like forever ago. And mm-hmm. it's so cool to see all the different concepts just kind of mashed up. Maybe this is maybe this is a failing of, of sci-fi, is that it's harder to see all the different concepts mashed up. Well, I guess what here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. We need a Starfinder TV show. Starfinder TV show. That's what I'm getting good. at. You, you, because that is a strength of Starfinder, is that it's easier to get, you know, the mashup of all these different concepts. If I did want to make my facsimile of a space marine and play that against somebody else's facsimile of a Jedi Knight, that that wouldn't be awkward in Starfinder. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, it's not a perfect Jedi, it's not a perfect space marine, but it would still work. Yeah. And I think the plots that Starfinder tends to delve in because a lot of the writing is kind of based off adventure writing from Pathfinder and D&D and stuff ends up forcing like you know it's very easy to translate you all meet in a bar to Starfinder compared to pretty much any other RPG for mm-hmm. for sci-fi stuff and that you meet in a bar and then you know grab the the quest off the bounty board or talk to the mysterious cloaked stranger in the back corner and can go start on your journey is pretty easy to pull off in Starfinder compared to anything else. Probably because, you know, one, the, the background of the Paizo staff was that already, but two, you know, there, there's a, a sense of wanting to keep compatibility between, compatibility as best as one can between Starfinder and Pathfinder, and that includes the types of narratives and stories that, that are included in here. And of course, Starfinder has gone into to weirder stuff since then, but like the, the first AP was just kind of like, 
you all gather because of a, a circumstance and it turns out there's a, a greater plot going on. Go go st- go save the world or go save the galaxy. You know, I'm trying to think of something here real quick, Louise. Mm-hmm. You made me think of something. Why is it the destiny of, of, a, of a mysterious cloak figure to sit in the corner of a bar? I think it's I think it's Aragorn, right? Like Aragorn did it so well the first time around everyone's been trying to copy him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, just, it just seems like it, oh, like imagine this, okay? You, you're a you're a fantasy quest giver, right? Like you mm-hmm. need something from somebody, but you don't want to reveal too much about it. You want to be yeah. mysterious about it. I want something, but I don't want to tell you what I want. Hmm. Why are you going to go sit in a bar corner? I Why would you, you do that? <laughs> I feel like most taverns tend to have a kind of at worst indifferent to upwards of upbeat attitude going on, upbeat atmosphere, right? People are enjoying drinks, people are enjoying food, people are enjoying bar tales or songs. So it's pretty lively. And by sitting in the back being the brooding, mysterious figure, you actually end up drawing attention to yourself because you stand out as someone that's not enjoying the bar seat. And, you know that tends to bring attention to you maybe uh if it were me i think now now that you mentioned that i'd be like oh hey i have a a quest and it pays this much and there might be some danger involved come to my house and get more info and that's that would probably be the safest way to like board yeah exactly a bounty board would would be probably the the best way to be you don't want to invite people to your house though like you know okay well meet me at the town square when the sun sets on the third moon. I wonder... Yeah, that'd actually be pretty interesting. Now, that would be a fun way to start... Can you do that on sci-fi? Yeah, I guess you could do that on, like, Moss Eisley or something. When the fourth moon... <laughs> the fourth of the six moon. moons of the of the night sky set. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of did happen. I mean, I in a way, Han was the hooded figure in the back corner who had the ride for for uh, Obi-Wan and, and Luke and the droids. He wasn't hooded, right? But he was sitting in the back of the bar and he was like, I, I got a job or I would need a job <laughs> looking for some money. Wait, hold on. No. Obi-Wan Kenobi was the quest giver in that whole story. What am I talking about? <laughs> Obi-Wan, the quest giver was R2-D2 who had Leia's quest. Yeah, on. it was Leia, but like... Leia gave the quest to Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan just subleased the quest <laughs> to Luke. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And then, and then Obi-Wan gave the quest to Han, and there was like four quests going on at once, and they all happened to culminate at the same time. You make point. the quest sound like an STD. <laughs> in in sci-fi, you, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know, mimetic quest ideas... That seems like a sci-fi thing, right? Someone proposes an idea and it becomes nomadic and trans- uh, gets uh, transplanted among multiple people. That's, that's a very sci-fi idea. Yeah, yeah. We just call it a curse in fantasy realms. <laughs> we've, been, we've been cursed to take down the evil empire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Star Wars was kind of a hodgepodge of disparate rogues. Yeah, it absolutely was. I maybe, think maybe that's why it's like the most popular sci-fi setting. It might be. It, it's very easy. I mean, Starfinder has so much it owes to Star Wars. The the dev team, the you know the writers and, and everyone that helped create that game, 
constantly said, hey, we want to replicate the cantina effect with uh, the species you can play as in, in Starfinder. And that you imagine the cantina scene and you see like 100 different aliens. You should be able to play all of those at some point. So we want to give you a different uh, 100 Jeez, different aliens. They hit aliens that nail play. on the head. Yeah, they definitely did that. So that, in addition to you know so many other things, um, was definitely inspiration. And I think Star Wars is probably the one that was the most inclusive, the most inclusive sci-fi setting uh, up until that. Not to say like Starfinder is now more inclusive than, than Star Wars, but like you know, Starfinder was designed to be an RPG from the ground up. But Star Wars, is, you can tell a million different stories in Star Wars. It's initially like a samurai western story that's set in space flash gordon meets western but you know you can tell a lot of different stories now you can do war stories and you can do kind of exciting adventure stories it kind of really was available for anyone to tell whatever stories and i think that's probably why the appeal was such with star wars is oh you can have so many different types of adventures here compared to star trek adventures are still varied but they're kind of still a specific range and Warhammer's got a specific range and you know your harder sci-fis have this and softer sci-fis have that so and you know yeah. we are we are kind of seeing Disney use the Star Wars IP to tell a lot mm. of different kinds of stories yeah. I mean we just recently had the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett you had Rogue One and you had the, the uh, solo movie I didn't mm-hmm. watch the solo movie but I imagine it had a whole different thing to it it was a heist and a prison break movie so yeah uh, definitely a different type of story that we've seen in Star Wars, but immediately feels like, oh yeah, of course you can tell this sto- story in Star Wars. Was it worth, you can kind of was tell it worth story. watching? Should I go back and watch the solo movie? Um, if you don't have to pay any extra money to go watch it, I think you're fine to watch it. So I, if you're already subscribed to Disney Plus or you know someone you can borrow, or you can go to your library and get a DVD of it, just do that. Yeah, we, we have Disney Plus, so alright, then I'll, I'll watch it then. It, you may not love it, or you might, I don't know, I don't know your your history with Star Wars and how you might come out on the other end, but at the very least, I don't think you'll be like, this was a complete waste of my time, I shouldn't have ever watched this. No, there's still a lot of fun stuff going on. I actually uh, am running a, a Star Wars RPG uh, game every other week with a couple friends, including uh, managing editor Leo Glass at, at Paizo, um, and there was a point where there was uh, a droid uprising, and they're like, oh, has this ever happened before? And I'm like, yes, it has. And I made mention of, of something. <laughs> and it was, you know, just uh, a thing that happens in, in the Solo movie. Hey, some droids rise up. And they're like, oh, wow, cool. And I don't think they realized that that's the thing that I pulled from the movies. But if they ever, like, go back and be like, oh, whatever happened to that uprising? We want to learn more. It's like, just go watch the movie. And I think it'll blow their minds. It's like, whoa, our our campaign kind of touched the real movies and canon. <laughs> I have always wanted to play in a, in a in a Star Wars game. If I lived up there, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, it's so fun! I like I like the RPG so much. I keep singing its praises, and I think Paizo might get mad at me that I don't that I keep talking up some other RPG. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a good time. Uh, I won't get into it. Star Wars RPG from Fantasy Flight. I think people should check it out. Or bug me later as to why the heck should I check this game out. Yeah, I don't have any ties to Paizo, but it is it is true that on the record, my, my true love is PF2. I'm just crazy about PF2. 
but we are we are enjoying wrath and glory right now though yeah would you so how much experience do you have with starfinder like other than like oh i know it's a thing oh no i've played i've played starfinder if you remember we used to have uh what was it stellar, stellar. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. you were, you were and i've did i've did uh some some starfinder society too just a little bit cool. though not a lot yeah i used to play at the office i had a uh vesk soldier uh, and that was a good time. My best soldier is actually immortalized in the Starfinder beginner box. There's like a list of, oh, suggested names for vests, and mine's in there. Um, but the game's a good time. But any more, the, any D20 game, I'm just like, let's give it a three-action economy, right? I know. <laughs> I mean, my favorite Starfinder character was my society character. She was. She wore blue armor. I I did a Hero Forge mini for her that I painted myself. She wore like like blue like armor, and she had like one robotic arm because I went to uh, Gen Con and and I got mm-hmm. got the little reward of like you have a robotic arm. Oh neat. Yeah, and she was a gladiator whose whose name was Bloodshot. Uh, yeah. But when the helmet came off. She was just a bubbly, friendly, sort of like the team mom. Like, it's so good to see you all. I hope you're eating well. But when the helmet's <laughs> on, it's like, I am bloodshot. I will wreck your day. You know? Yeah. That was fun. Um, have you played any other sci-fi RPGs other than you know, the Starfinder and the, the Warhammer? I played one? the D20 Star, Star Wars. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. And I, I hear good things about that game. I wrote, I wrote a ton of rules to build all the different like Jedi fighting styles into it, and I just went way too hard into it. That was my first foray into writing for uh, for for games too. It was all homebrew, oh. but man, I yeah. wrote chapters on like wow. the different Jedi fighting styles. Wow, that's fun. I don't, I don't know the Jedi fighting styles. I I am aware that they're a thing. There's like seven of them or something. I used Whatever. to know oh. them. It, I, yeah. I don't anymore. That was a long time ago. Because that system's real old. Yeah. I've, real old, yes. But it came out in 2000. Lauren, don't do this to to me. Don't do this to our, ourselves. We can't do this to ourselves, I think. 2000, that's so old. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've given up. I think... <laughs> Look, in May, I turned 35, I think. I think I'm 34, and I think I turned 35 in May. I turned 33 in July, so I, come on, we're not that old. I mean, I'll be halfway to 40. You right? were halfway to 40 when you were 20. Oh, okay, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> within the decade, you know, I'm halfway yes, there. Yeah. yeah, I get what you were saying, but it's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I've played a lot of Star Wars, of course, and I've played Starfinder. Uh, and looking at my shelf, the only other sci-fi games I can think of that I've played are Numenera. I would consider that sci-fi, a good sci-fi fantasy blend, and The Strange, which is a really interesting game, um, which is using the same kind of rule set, the cipher system that Numenera does. But yeah, it's just other than like the four or five fantasy RPGs I can think of, like there's so many sci-fi things, and it's. That's probably why you just you're never gonna satisfy someone exactly with what they want unless it's you know I wanted the Star Wars RPG I wanted the Star Trek RPG I wanted this or that 
Uh, which, you know, that's just a reality of things in, in the RPG industry. I'm ready to make the argument, too, that miniature wargaming, like Warhammer 40,000, is an RPG. It's just you're not, yeah. you're not telling the story of, like, one character, but you're telling the story of, like, a brigade or, like, yeah. a platoon of soldiers, you know? Yeah, and keeping that in mind, then, yeah, uh, 40K uh, miniature game is highly successful that's a that that's RPG's the miniatures butt. game yeah <laughs> that's that i mean that's the most successful thing out there right and in that case rpg or sci-fi rpg is like oh well here's this outlier that like completely ruins the average and, and makes it so like this, <laughs> this is above and beyond anything else uh statistical anomaly or it's the thing to aspire for right yeah. I don't think any RPG can ever get up to, to Warhammer. Well, uh, I mean, I think D&D did. I, I don't think people are spending thousands of dollars on D&D oh. the way they would spend thousands of dollars oh, on, yeah. on entire no. army. <laughs> no. Just, just the buy-in price on 40K alone. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So, but Well, congrats, 40K. You won the sci-fi RPG top award and i don't think anyone's ever going to come close to that no no especially since they keep raising their prices all the time <laughs> and releasing new codexes and this and that wow good for them i guess <laughs> <laughs> good for them um yeah so i guess really what it comes down to is play whatever rpg for your sci-fi that you want right that might be starfinder i i think that's actually maybe why people with fantasy RPGs do end up homebrewing or tweaking, you know, the setting or, or the rules so much is maybe they'd actually don't have as much variety available when you think about it. Hmm. If you have a hundred different sci-fi RPGs, you're probably going to find the one that's like the perfect fit for you. But if there's only five fantasy RPGs and there aren't many more beyond that, you know, other than like the indies, it's like, maybe you do you're forced to homebrew and, and and tweak the game and i don't know i don't know if that's a a, a strength or a flaw for for the fantasy side of things I, and i don't even know if if you're forced to homebrew as much as you get to homebrew like just sure. be, just before we started this wrath and glory game a buddy of mine was playing a cyberpunk he was running a cyberpunk game for us in the second edition pathfinder system so they're using three action economy to shoot lasers and stuff and it worked yeah. pretty well yeah there you go i don't know i think i think that covers all my thoughts on sci-fi rpgs i'm i'm enjoying the ones i'm playing and i'm sure there's lots of other great ones out there yeah and i'm lauren and i'm Luis, and this is digital divination Man, those boys have it so easy. That's their so, whole intro. That's their whole intro. That's it.
Yeah, and I'm Lauren. And I'm Ron. I'm not Ron. What am I saying? <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, you're Lauren. And I'm Luis. <laughs>